And they gave you a physical copy of the SRE book as a welcome package? Yep. Yep. Wow. Those three books, uh, I, for better or worse, I'm not much of a, a reader personally. Uh, it's it's so hard sometimes for me. But, you know, they gave us those three books. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I got to read them at some point, right? <laughs> this is a good, uh, good push, right? Yeah, this definitely makes it easier to, to do that. <laughs> Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. We're here because of Mac DevOps, and we're here because of the cloud, and we're here because of software as a service and trying to uh, move ourselves into the clouds and move our skill sets from on-premise to dashboards and other things. So, SRE Book Club. I don't know why we started this. Why did we start an SRE Book Club, BP? Why did we do this? Well, because we each had the book, and what better <laughs> way to you know read the book than to share that with others? Excellent. Uh, Brian, why did you show up? <laughs> well, I was here to witness the acceptance of a, uh, <laughs> a, a Mac DevOps talk. <laughs> but being uh, <laughs> that I read or listened to uh, the audiobook, uh, you know, seven chapters in uh, ver- during various uh, renditions of trying to get this uh, book club together, <laughs> I felt like I had some contribution. <laughs> Okay, I had some contributions to uh, you know uh, some of the pieces there. I found the book very entertaining, so I definitely wanted to uh, contribute. Excellent. Well, it's we're going to call upon you soon. Uh, it's your time to step up and shine, Jonathan. Mids and highs. Uh, hi. Hi. Sorry, I was I was I was slacking. Slacking during book club. It doesn't have my full attention. I apologize. I know. Uh, I have I have read the book uh, before maybe a year and a half ago. I haven't. I read chapters one and two in preparation for last week, but couldn't make it. And so I am here having not done the reading, but wanting to participate and having read it once in the far past. Excellent. Excellent. And I am reading chapters as a service or reading chapters just on time. Deadlines as a service, right? Here we all are for the SRE Book Club, chapter two, because we're slowly digesting these chapters. Brian, why don't you take us through? C-A-R Whoa. Turn a Warren lecture. My, my voice audio just <laughs> turned on in the middle of this. Um, let's see here. I found a GitHub repo where somebody had channeled the, all the, uh, chapter two. the chapters. Depression chapters environment through. at Google. For- yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, baby. Yeah, the, the I found a random GitHub where somebody had uh, did a, a voice recording of the chapters, but it was very terrible. And even at faster speeds, it was still terrible. So, well, this one came directly from Google, and uh, the voice rendering on this one actually was pretty good, even though Brandon and I like to uh, make fun of it. Who can we hire to read this? Can we hire someone to narrate this book for us? Uh, <laughs> I was I was hoping to get uh, uh, Martin Sheen uh, to <laughs> Martin Sheen. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah to, to read these off. I think it'd be uh, great with his very uh, pompous voice inflections. Um, <laughs> let's see here. So if I recall the first two chapters, uh, I have to kind of go back uh, to them. But a lot of it focused on just kind of setting the stage on 
terminology uh, and and thinking through the actual uh, mechanics of uh, of a scalable environment, but they had to put names to all of it so that they could talk about specific steps along the way without having to like recreate the conversation around design. I recall a lot of that. I'm I'm trying to go back here to kind of recall each, what each chapter is about. But does, does that ring a bell for everybody else? Yeah. So in the first chapter, they they covered things um, in more broad terms and covered themes about like you know monitoring, forecasting, planning. You know the kind of service you you want to provide and like just the general approach on things. Um, chapter two. I, I've had to like try to reread uh, multiple times because I'm guessing it's it's a foundation for the rest of the book. But they specifically yes. start talking about like the actual environment at Google, the production environment, and it starts to like I, I, I get the the gist of what they're going for with you know like they have like on one page they talk about you know we got tens of machines are placed in a rack racks stand in a row one or more rows form a cluster and usually a data center building houses multiple clusters and like you know kind of builds from there and you kind of get a sense of how they're approaching things so like it's not just uh you know if you if you're coming from the point of view of i've only interacted th- with this uh, either using like you know uh google cloud platform through like the web ui or like the api and stuff like that well this is, I guess, giving you a view of how things are actually structured in the back end and connected. The really holistic viewpoint at the beginning in this kind of, like, because they're setting up the book like any other book where it's like, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you. All right, here's all the stuff we're telling you, and here's what we just told you. And, the, and this is how they're, like, basically, this is an abstract of all the applications of the theories in the book. Based in right. based inside of like Google's you know naming infrastructure and so like what uh, Brian was saying about like giving it language I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned it too because later on in other chapters that we are not apparently not talking out about in this session of the club, they start telling the actual stories of of what they have to think about in terms of site reliability and engineering. Like the whole concept comes into play, but when they're telling the story. They start using all this terminology that's defined in chapter two. So, like that—that's that, kind of like it's, that's kind of like why we're getting through it. Yeah, I think it's important. Like you know, in the good old days when I was studying philosophy, but it could apply to any discipline. Is you got to define your terms. What do what do the words that you're going to use mean? You know, and that's important when they can mean slightly different things. And even in a computer world, Google has their own things. And, and like anybody in this tech world, you'll realize quickly after reading this like hardware chapter, which should be boring about racks, but it's like, yeah, we invented this and we invented that and we invented that. <laughs> they have like their own naming <laughs> scheme and their own operating system. And like, that's the actual, that's the actual theme of the book is you're going to have to do this all yourself. <laughs> it's like, I can't help but laugh at the the insanity of creating all your own operating system, your own file system, and it it takes a certain. Uh, I'll I'll say this because I'm not a very smart computer genius, but it, ha- it takes a, a certain a bit of ego to uh, say that people haven't solved the problem very well before. So I'm going to solve it better by inventing a new file system, operating system, uh, <laughs> you know, programming language. <laughs> it seems yeah. to happen. This theme happens a lot, and I've only been in tech for a few years. You know, I'm like well. It's, turning into decades now but yeah it's only a few years <laughs> seeing this theme come up we've invented a new way of doing things better so i guess they're defining their terms which is important yeah but some of these terms though some of these terms are just chubby the hell colossus? blob store colossus Blo- yeah oh, for Pete's sake, what? 
The thing what, that got what? me that stood out was uh, Borg and their like Borg <laughs> naming system. Like, wait, are you describing DNS here? Or, like something? Yeah, like they've invented their own DNS system because DNS is not good enough for them. Um, I think that, that this is triggering me. The lowest layer of their storage system is called D, D for disk. But I don't know. When I see capital letters around, it just gives me the horrible nightmares of Windows and their letters of the alphabet to determine their mount points, which is equally as ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, let's agree that chapter two is terrible but necessary. Does that describe most of tech? Or yes, I mean yes. that's kind of like what I got out of it. <laughs> oh, that's definitely uh, well timed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, Google. Good for you. You guys are smart. Hmm. They did it. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, like a lot of these, like namings, like like good naming schemes around services is arguably not the objective of this book right you know we shouldn't criticize them for their names naming schemes well no, no. because i mean like function well i mean i'm sorry like they should pick a different fandom i don't know <laughs> but they seem to be covering all of them they've got star wars they've got colossus like that's oh, okay. Marvel, right i mean so i will say this right like um the, the naming of the services is, is something else right that's i always find it a little ridiculous at every company because but yeah whatever that's, that's the quirk of anyone that works in it they they come up with these names but like the the approach on certain things is a little interesting in that like like for example the networking stuff kind of stood out to me where they talked about rather than having like you know these expensive um routers that have all the processing built in they actually go with these dumb router uh, switches, router switches, whatever, and like you know, offload computing to I guess other yeah clusters basically that that you know can come up with the routes a lot quicker and more efficiently, and it's all software based, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, just in my tiny little uh, niche that I, I used to be in a lot where, where I was like building XN or SAN, Stornex and hardware raids. I mean, I used to laugh at the concept of a software raid because hardware raid was always going to be infinitely better. And, you know, building, encoding stuff into chips, whether it's H.264 decoding or ProRes decoding or rate handling raids seems like it's always going to be better. But the CPUs have gotten so fast that software like these virtual routers or software raids are just run by like monster CPUs. So it's not impossible for like, you know, a general CPU and fast software to do a lot of stuff. And I guess that comes to the core of Mac DevOps, DevOps, and the idea of this, the software is your infrastructure, right? You're, you're writing the software and you can move software faster than you can move hardware. Yeah. Anyone recognize anything in this, uh, in what you're doing in your own environments or anything relevant? And while I don't operate as a SRE, uh, within my team, I'm much more closer to uh, uh, simple end-user engineering, uh, experience engineering, uh, support, IT support uh, at its base levels. So for example, I'm not actually on the IT support team uh, directly. I, I support the support team and then try to design other pieces, uh, kind of like a CPE, like a uh, SaaS ops engineer, and just a regular scapegoat, I think. And in fact, that's my title on my card. Right, right, right. The one you blame. Um, but, yeah. That, is that how we find your job posting as we go and look for a scapegoat across like Yeah, Andy? yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the scape, scapegoat uh, tier two, actually, what it is. Uh, so, nice. What I uh, was, was learning from some of these uh, upcoming chapters, I was going to make a recommendation of how far we should go before the next uh, book club meet. Um, this is how some of these, how some of, how some of the thinking was applied to 
using the technology. Well, we have all these terms defined now in Chapter 2 that we just discussed, and now we can start telling the stories, and they do tell some stories. And they start to decide... Well, for example, I think they explain at some point why um, 100% reliability is bad. It, very bad, mm-hmm. actually. It's mm-hmm. very bad to even even try to achieve. They actually explained some of that, and so that's a really kind of interesting piece to go for. Now, in SRE yeah. concepts, that makes a lot of sense, but I was actually trying to apply that line of thinking to um, IT support initiatives, you know, our, our own SLOs, SLAs within our piece. How are you guys tracking your work? Are you doing, like, a ticket system where it just comes in, or...? Is it a ticket system where you're just uh, like, do you like? How are you like? How do you know what to work on when you sit down at the beginning of the day? I, I could share, but if 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 I share, like, uh, we, we definitely can't use this recording. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm in the same boat, which is why I asked. Like, I can't get into specifics about my employer, but I'm just just asking. Like, do you walk in and check Jira? Like, do you have a Kanban board? You know, like that sort no, of thing. No, no, no. We we hire a bunch of task rabbits to just come in with stopwatches and. Uh, <laughs> try, to, try to come. In. So, so that sounds sounds very good. Yeah. I, let me talk, let me talk about a couple of things. I, I also am in the same boat that I can't really talk about current employer, but I can talk about common concepts here, where a very well managed ticketing system, uh, whether it be as awful as Jira, yeah, go ahead and put that out. It's okay, Matt. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, or it could be uh, any one of these other tools, um, as simple but well known as Zendesk, or more robust as like uh, some of the other tools that are out there, like the uh, um, um, ServiceNow or or whatnot. Just throwing a few brand names out there. I know that offer ticketing systems uh, that do offer some metrics, that do offer some pieces on there. But uh, for me, the bigger concept that I want to apply is not just what features are available but how each uh, department uh, in this case IT IT support uh, if we will um, actually measures what they're actually tracking a simple request is one but there's a lot of other duties that IT needs to perform on too that is very timely for example getting new hires set up for when they get hired yeah and tracking how fast they can get that done and so watching metrics like that if I was a brand new IT manager IT support manager coming in I'd have to watch for making well, sure that well that speaks to later stuff around like the holistic view of the entire organization is how you actually apply a lot of these principles, right? Being able to see that, okay, this is actually like the stopgap here and why this is taking so long is because this process is being provisioned outside of like the IT department and so we need to fix that blocker. And so how do you track that work? Yeah. I, I, which is why which is why I am an advocate for Kanban boards in that kind of space because it lets you I mean, and yes, Jira is not great. I don't enjoy Jira, but like Jira makes great Kanban boards. If I may, if I get give it that credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm getting more into like big epics and those sorts of things, which are nice. I like the idea that I think I may be able to actually click and do a Git checkout inside of one of the workflows that I have here, which may be incredible for me or may just create stress. So we'll see. But it seems like when you're like having those kind, like I found the Kanban board works for any organization and tracking any kind of work. I think I was big into like I was heavily involved in people operations, as they say, you know, because the person who fixes your printer and the person who decides whether or not someone has a badge is probably not the same person, but they need to talk a lot, right? So yeah, yeah. people ops, yeah, but. Uh, so that kind of stuff is like they like 
a lot of the HR solutions will use Kanban boards for applicant tracking and recruiting because the co- being able to use lanes inside of there allows them to track different work that needs to happen on different time frames. Sure. Uh, and, and the other fl- flavor to mix in there, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is just volume tracking as well because you can list 10 tasks that need to be finished and you can use the lanes as such, but then what happens if you just multiply that by up to 100, you know? Uh, and right. The, while that sounds maybe outrageous, it's actually not in some of the up-and-coming up growing companies. And those are very real problems that we had to solve with making sure staffing was available and, and trying to measure out exactly what the value is of our human workforce. Yeah, because there are only so many resources available to apply, you know, and, and they need to be applied in the right place to make sure it all happens. I bring that back to the 99% or the 100% success or support, you know, like what, you know, the SRE concept of maintaining a 100% or 99.9 or 99% of uh, availability of their services, I start translating that into like, how do I actually talk about this in terms of human workforce? You know, it's a, uh, uh, so the Matt, Matt X to answer your question, how are we applying these top six to our own jobs here? I'm not an SRE, but some of it rang true. It's like, how do I actually project out saying we can accomplish this amount of workload in this amount of time. I can do that. But if you grow above that, we're going to start to see problems. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's uh, fascinating uh, being able to measure things or not measure things. I've, I, I definitely grew up as a <laughs> not anti-science. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to, you know, uh, railing against people trying to measure things that can't be measured. But in our business, it does help a little bit to measure things like when and where possible. So that's probably a, a huge topic. Like how do we measure these tasks? Do we measure it in tickets? Do we measure, you know, how do we, how do we automate the systems without killing the humans in the system? <laughs> True. Yeah. Maybe, my, maybe my I, ne- I, I, yeah. My next git push is the one that's going to push us <laughs> over the edge. Maybe I just rewatched that uh, that latest Terminator movie with Skynet or something. But uh, no, I mean, it's just a general theme. It's like sometimes automating systems makes things better, right? We want to make them repeatable, idempotent. We want to we want the same result. We want to not let us ourselves and other humans make mistakes. Why do we have uh, MDM and automatic enrollment for deploying laptops and onboarding people? And why do we have monkey or whatever other process you have for putting apps and making sure things are there? You know, at some point in your, you know, you got a small company that maybe you have like a one person HR department, or maybe you have a small onboarding document. At what point do you, you know, you're just shipping like laptops, like direct shipping boxes from stores or distributors to, you know, random remote locations where everyone's working and you don't have time to artisanally set up every laptop. Yeah. Well, and like what Brian was saying about like applying this to the entire organization is to look at like, those are all user experience questions, right? Like how does it, and that's the problem you're solving, not where is the P list, right? Yeah. And so in the, yeah. And so like, what kind of questions do I need to be asking when I'm troubleshooting something? Like how do you troubleshoot a process as compared to troubleshooting a problem? Yeah, great. Uh, and I, I love I love Maddox's tie back to Mac DevOps and the whole the whole offer of services that we talk about here is exactly part of the point of reducing that human stress level, the task load on humans, uh, and being able to automate all that, which changes changes all those variables around. I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's humans in the system. There's humans doing the work. There's humans that are the customers, the clients. You know, there's 
you know, teams you have to work with, how, you know, we, we have to, I say not kill them, but we have to try to work together across time zones and work asynchronously and automate things and communicate what we've been doing. So <laughs> a lot of yeah. skills, a lot of skills needed there. Huh? Any thoughts, BP? I'm just thinking about like uh, how, you know, the, just trying to apply that, that, that concept of trying to like reach a hundred percent or at least, you know, getting there and um you know like uh, a common task that i think like uh, most most people if you're doing uh, endpoint management i'm um, have to kind of deal with is the yearly os updates that get released i'm not even talking about like the, the minor updates that that are released but like you know now that apple's doing yearly updates uh, for major os releases and even uh, microsoft right they do it i think now they're they're finally doing like only once one big feature update a year uh, as of Windows 11, you kind of have to prepare for that, right? And there's, I guess, different approaches on how companies might try to tackle that issue. Like you, you, you have to make sure your software is compatible and, and processes and stuff like that for provisioning devices. Yeah. Yeah, like you sometimes can get into a situation, I suppose, where you focus so much on making sure things don't break that like in the process, you st it starts impacting other things so it, essentially like in an effort to keep 100 percent uptime on endpoint devices so that users aren't impacted you might be creating additional issues for other services that you might be using on these endpoints because like you you can quickly start you know getting out of date especially like when you start doing things like well we're never going to go with n we're always going to stay on n1 or n minus two and you're just and you're discussing like what is ultimately in my mind a policy slash human problem and not necessarily a technical problem because the technical problem is in place like that like you can restrict this machine to you know kind of like never I mean, do updates and then like, reboot <laughs> yeah like you can yeah you can but that's not going to be a good uh, user oh, experience and also but you know and it's like how do you get a person to change their mind like that right. Yeah. Let me introduce you to my friend CVE. <laughs> right. Oh, hello. Yeah. Hi, yeah. CVE. Yeah. Nice yeah. to see you. Oh, you're big and scary, aren't you? Whether it's a security department or corporate security talking about needing to update your endpoints or whether it's, you know, ops or DevOps or some team saying we need to update our production servers because maybe you're running on-prem or maybe hosted or some kind of VM or some kind of service server. Uh, somebody comes out with a random log4j vulnerability or a million other versions of all your dependencies. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was right. actually dis discussing log4j in a previous call, and uh, it turns out that if you get uh, vaccinated and get your booster, you're actually uh, protected against log4j log attacks. Oh, man. Hey. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. there's... there's <laughs> There's a couple, uh, uh, yeah, divergences there. Uh, but uh, I mean, I remember after a big hack, uh, I was telling somebody that we need to change passwords, upgrade systems, and they're like, but things might break. And I'm like, it's our department to fix things. If other people break them, we fix them. If we break them, we fix them also. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we don't want to break systems, but we need to, this is a constant pressure. Like you have a s important servers, you have important endpoints, like you're going to tell users that are happy on Catalina that they have to go to Big Sur and then you're going to tell them to go to Monterey and you're not 100% sure their whole software works or their whole suite works, but you, your security department says, 
or now your your software vendor says this software you're running on servers is not compatible anymore or needs to be updated. Now you have lots of people dependent on those servers or, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, and I just want to um, kind of clarify when I did say like um, 100% user uptime, you know, I'm not talking about like because people don't want to reboot people, you know, th like maybe there are there are some people that like generally avoid it and make every effort to not restart. But I feel like the majority of people, you know, given, you know, being told like, hey, you need to restart, you got to install this, they will comply. But I'm talking more like about the point of view from like the IT department where, you know, how much effort do you want to go into to make sure that users don't, you know, don't encounter any issues after an upgrade? Mm. You know, because like at the end of the day, you can test and test and test, but like there might be, you know, some minor variable that you just can't account for that might cause the issue that the user some issue after they've upgraded, you know, and so hell, hell, even Apple goes through that. Apple themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely biased because I've never worked in the sort of security compliance department uh, specifically or IT help desk support specifically. I've always been like the outside contractor that comes into a big company. You're the head of security in your own life, Matt. <laughs> yeah. But it was always my job to be the embedded IT fix it person and meant that you're, you know, you're talking to the other teams, you know, multiple teams and you're there at the end of the day to make sure that whoever hired you gets their job done and gets there can get, can work in some way. So my, my preference would be that everybody hires these as part of like, you know, has it in their org that this person will be your liaison to IT, all the teams, and their only job is to make sure that every team can get the work done after the policy box checker security IT gets through with whatever they want, you know, and translates. Yeah. Uh, I did want to mention that in the in the book, I don't know if you guys feel like we can get through the entire part two, which is chapters three through nine. I okay. don't feel like these chapters are horribly long. You want to do that one next? Uh, for the next, yeah, meet, if we can get through three, three through nine, it's all... All of part two, I think that will uh, give us a good okay. uh, plethora of things to talk about within the book, including the 99.9 .9 or 99 or 999 and why not 100. I think it'll be great <laughs> for us to pick up on uh, BP's uh, intent cool. here uh, when we get back here. Yeah, I agree. What was your talk about? It was called Your DevOps Help Desk. It was about Jira and Kanban boards inside of an IT support space. Okay. And last year, there was a presentation from Pietro. Yeah, on yeah. doing DevOps help desk stuff as well. Yeah, all are the talks these, are uh, they're all on the YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, we have a channel and uh, like a playlist for every year, and you can search through them all. I can. Well, uh, yeah, check that out. Yeah, I I wasn't aware that they they were uploaded. I'll well, I'll put a link in the show notes to the podcast. If, if you've been if you've been handling workshops at PSU or handling workshops with more than fifty people, then ten minutes about you know, something you're confident and obviously know a lot about is fine. Even, even five minutes is, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's totally cool. Yeah, yeah, we're working on planning for the next uh, conference in June. I have to, I'll put out the uh, request for speaker sort of uh, application form thing on our website. Well, no, pro no promises, but uh, definitely. No promises. It's time to keep in mind, I guess. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll take that as a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one one topic that that might be of interest, um, and but, but probably not something that we all necessarily deal with, um, given this is Mac focus. 
but it's uh the idea of like windows and and devops and like applying you know the devops principles to like windows administration and uh i'm curious if like anyone's worked with anyone that's that's tried to you know do that kind of work um i know Brandon's, uh, you know, trying to apply a similar type of men- methodology to to his job, but yeah, I mean, yeah Windows, like, you know. <laughs> what what I mean, like, are you thinking in terms of like IT support, uh, endpoint management, or are you talking about like development? Uh, you know. Oh, know- uh, definitely endpoint support, um, like endpoint management from that perspective. What are you? Tra- what problem are you? What is the problem you're trying to solve right now? So, you know, uh, basically, um, like if you can make what if you can make one thing just go away and you never had to do it again, what would you do? <laughs> I, I guess it would be the uh, the ability to essentially push out, you know, software and different states mm. without having to be attached to like on-premise software, you know, or like on-premise infrastructure. Let me say that because how big is your environment? It's uh, smaller than our, our Mac environment. I, I can probably share that. Okay, so if it's less than 100, I think Intune will treat you just fine for whatever MDM solution that you want if you've got a light touch there, right? Yeah. But if you're going to go larger than that, you're going to need to implement some sort of larger MDM-style solution. Right. A lot of times, like, if you're looking at, like, larger, like, stuff around like larger looking pain suggestions. Some vendors that we mentioned recently, like earlier on the call were like Workspace One or um, like Jamf for Macs or like, you know. Yeah, P- PDQ just bought Simple MDM and they're big name in Windows management. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. I don't I have think, experience with them specifically, but. Um, yeah, I've, 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 ser- I've seen people use uh, Chocolatey it, yeah, as yeah. a thing to <laughs> and there has been some work from people that are not me around possibly getting auto package running for linux and a gorilla to uh, linux and windows for auto package which is an automation framework for windows but mm-hmm. ultimately if you're having to make the kind of, like it in terms of those service experiences like if there is enough Mac OS inside of your environment to where you can afford to delineate what sort of command and control structures you put on your client endpoints, you're going to pick a good one, right? If you're going to have yeah. to do both differently, make sure you pick a good one and that sure. it's something that's not going to require a lot of, like, you don't want to get a solution. Like, you don't want to spin up a monkey server if it's just going to be you 30 hours a week, making sure that web requests don't fail, right? Gotcha. So, so essentially, I guess something that I, I wasn't even thinking about, but it's uh, making sure you get something that the entire team can, can maintain and support. Because if you get something that's all DevOps focused, but the rest of the team doesn't have that mentality, then like you're kind of stuck supporting it yourself. And that's like a single point of failure, basically. And everyone hates single points of failures, regardless of what you want to call what we do, DevOps, ITSM, whatever. I thought the whole point was that we were supposed to create tech debt. Is, uh, did I get that wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's how you may keep a job at some places, but that's usually yeah. usually I'm somewhere long enough for the tech debt to come around to bite me, actually, and not the person <laughs> coming after me. So yeah. yeah, I felt like you know setting up a monkey server, you know, like in my my places, it's just like if if it was more than a couple machines, I didn't want to like artisanally like do anything. So one monkey server 
makes more sense, even if it's kind of a single point of failure. If you get bigger, then you can go more DevOpsy on it. But you know, fighting fighting this it, this real need to have one dashboard, some mythical one dashboard that can rule everything, is not going to happen. So you got to create some systems that can talk to your various best of breed, whatever you want to call them, systems. So yeah, trying to force Max into Intune might mean that you have one dashboard to look at, but then it's a shitty experience for your Mac users, and you know they still don't even treat real packages in Intune yet for Mac. So that's just going to be crap, right? Yeah, so, like you're yeah. still going to have to solve other problems if you implement a solution that works for everything poorly. And the oh. bus- and and what you'll and 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 how you say this to your boss is that the business will lose resources that they won't be able to track correctly because of the outsized efforts you're going to have to put in to maintain the crappy solution. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In this case, though, it, it, I'm I'm definitely like not pursuing a single pane of glass kind of uh, solution because that, that uh, yeah, that just needs to pain. This is more like, what are some of the better uh, uh, best practice solutions for like DevOps specifically on Windows, like for managing endpoints. Um, Gorilla, I guess, is maybe uh, one approach or Chocolatey. Uh, sounds like that might be another. So when you're putting together a matrix for this, like a yeah. matrix or services with those kind of things, I think the decision point for you will be whether it needs to have an agent or not, because that will affect how much insight you will have into the system itself, I believe. I see. That's, but that's, I'm not a Windows admin. And if someone tells you different, then they know what they're talking about. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take their advice, but I suspect that that will be the case. I mean, you just gotcha. you run everything with Ansible the same way, <laughs> or, or or Salt or Chef or Puppet. And... Ansible for an hour today, my dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening again. In my life, Deja. Yeah. Yeah. Also, let's talk about those Mac OS Minis. I've got what? Oh, Mini? Do you have some Mac Minis? You know, you gonna Ansible them or? Uh... Maybe maybe there's a Docker container out there that you can Dockerize macOS, and maybe, maybe, <laughs> hush noises, wink, wink, oh, nudge, dear. nudge. Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, so so many so many tech debts still to come. Mister Storage uh, Expert Friend, hi waves. <laughs> I like Simple MDM. They're a sponsor of Mac DevOps, and I personally use them. Like, how many commercials have you heard like that? It's like, as a user of the service, but also a sponsor. No, I, I really like Taylor, and I love Simple MDM. Um, I wish I could get into the guts of Monkey sometimes, but um, it is extremely powerful for macOS management, and it's pro- and if you and if you have if you can send a JSON payload to something from a command line, then it is without a doubt the most powerful solution for what you need. Yeah, I was rewatching Lucas's talk again about. Mis- mishandling, abusing the miseducation of Lucas Hall and uh, Simple MDM, where he's talking about API stuff. But I would love to get to that level. I need to to work on that. But uh, definitely some cool tricks yet to come for some. The good thing about not knowing anything is there's so much ahead of you, and we're all not knowing things. So there's just so much ahead of us. I, I'm right. so I'm so uh, you know happy, and uh, that encourages me that you know not that I don't know anything, but that there's so much to learn. <laughs> Always going to be learning, man. Always yeah. going to be learning. Can't. Story of life. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad that we can learn together. You guys are awesome for joining us on the book club and uh, for joining us in this just random 
hour of chat and anybody should just join us and and ask questions and uh, we should normalize the behavior of people asking other people questions and just chatting about them that is normal behavior to ask for help yeah. um, and just discuss things because that's why we do this right it is the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. Thank you to Simple MDM, our gold sponsor for Mac DevOps 2022. Thank you so much to everybody at Simple MDM for your support. We really appreciate it. Please find SimpleMDM at SimpleMDM.com. We look forward to more sponsors for our conference. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Let's stop the bot. How do we stop the bot? How do we stop the bot? Craig is recording. How do you leave? Come on, Craig. Leave.